Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Each episode, your hosts bring you news, views, and abuse from America's professional rugby union, along with all the latest on the USA national team. Now, with all that said, let's get on with the show. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt Podcast. My name is Joshua Fredland. Uh, joining me tonight is Craig Gugdelli. Uh Mr. Hollywood, Liam Poach, couldn't be with us tonight. He is off doing his own thing. Um, but how, how's your week been? How, how, how's the weekend of rugby for you, Craig? Uh, yeah, it was an exciting week. Uh, some some good matchups. I, I noticed Liam hides every time New England beats New York. He goes into hiding for several weeks. So uh, I, I, you know, I get it. It doesn't want to gloat. I appreciate that. Uh, I think the last, if I recall, the last match of the season is a third, uh, is the rubber. I mean, New England won the first two, so it's not really a rubber match, but is a third match between New York and New England could have very strong postseason implications. So, uh, We'll see if we can't uh, get Liam to stick around after that one. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, good. Yeah, week was good for me. Uh, you know, just uh, doing my thing, trying to class it up today with the sports card. So sports hope, card. hope our Is viewers it? appreciate it. <laughs> we definitely need to do, like, a, a fancy episode one day just for the hell of it. Every week we should just have different costumes. Like, we'll do, like, 20s night, and then we could do Lord of the Rings day or something. <laughs> Oh, um, actually, speaking of that, hopefully we should we need to get Liam on this. Um, it's next week's May the fourth. Next week is May the fourth. Yes, yeah, so we should do Star Wars next week. Do Star Wars next week. Is it, is it Wednesday? Is that the fourth? It's exact. Yeah, that's, it was like it's. I know we last year. Last year we had the we did a little bit extra. I I hung out, listened to you and Liam talk Star Wars. But, yeah, you know. I'm bringing my lightsaber. May make an appearance next week. Then, and say, <laughs> all right. Well, let's jump on into it with the first one that we can probably spend two seconds on. Um, DC beating Dallas. Probably a lot more of a, a difference in the scoreline than a lot of people thought. You know, because we've seen Dallas, you know, produce games that hey, it looks like they're doing something, and then all of a sudden the next week they're not. But now it seems like you know those injuries have have finally caught up to them. Um, you know we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight tries again by eight different players for the second week in a row uh, for DC. Um, we had two tries for Dallas, both by the debuting Hayden Hill. Uh, so congratulations to him. Um, they also did just sign JP um, Aguirre. I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but you know he has history. And MLR um, with New York, with Seattle, and with Austin. So, you know, that's good to get MLR experience into the team for them. Um, it, it does seem like Nate Osborne is having an effect for Dallas. Yeah, he's the new glory. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that's good for them. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm sort of, yeah, both teams at the bottom of the table probably will end at the bottom of the table for this year. So, you know, not a, not a game with wide implications outside of the scoreline uh, on Saturday, but um, you know, let's go, you know, Nate Osborne is back. His team's rolling a little bit. So we'll see if they can do some damage and play spoiler uh, against some teams that are a little more in the hunt uh, than Dallas currently are. Uh, they do 
have the week off, so we have to wait. We have to wait a week and see for that. But you know, hope, hopefully, they can continue the momentum from there. Um, next up, um, a game I am relying on written reports for because unfortunately I did not watch it. Um, we had he Austin beating Nola thirty-two to ten. Um, was actually an okay game in the first half. Um, you know, Austin went out in front early. They had two two tries in the first eight minutes, um, and then Nola hit back with two tries in their own before Austin was finally able to pull it away. Um, I believe Eric Howard went off with an HIA, was able to come back on, but then um, was off again at halftime, so ho- hopefully he's still okay. Uh, but I think we we were talking earlier or a couple of weeks ago about the West needing to show up against the East. Um, while it is against uh, one of the teams lower down in the standings, it was at least a statement of something in my eyes. What what did you see? Yeah, I mean, look, this is again the team that was three and seven coming into the day. So, yeah, you'd hope the first place team in the West could handle the second to last place team in the East with some ease. Uh, I think they did. I mean, so they did what what you'd expect a first place team to do. I think, I think Austin are getting bad. You know, they, they had a, a bit of a hiccup there when they when they went through the top of the East. Uh, and I think what we're what I'm seeing with Austin is if you give them the time and space to run the game they want to run in attack, they're very successful and they're methodical and they are a little exciting and you know they have a lot of a lot of threats uh, and it's hard to contain. I think one thing that's shared by both New England and Atlanta, who both kind of drubbed Austin. Um, is that they play aggressive defense and Atlanta in particular plays a really fast defense. And I think, I think both those teams suffocated Austin in the backfield and didn't let Austin do what they wanted to do with the ball. And that was a, a good strategy. Being that Nola didn't have the defensive chops to do that, uh, at least not in this one. So Austin were able to play their game and then you got the score result you'd expect. Uh, but I think that that is what remains to be seen to me though for Austin is when you play a team that has a, a better defensive front, more defensive line speed, that sort of thing, are you going to be able to run your attack effectively? Because I don't know that we've seen that yet this year. Yeah, I, I can definitely, I definitely agree with you there. You know, we 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 said Nola at the beginning of the year out of sorts, especially after replacing their coach, and they made a little bit of turnaround, but seem to have gone back to where they were at the beginning of the year. So I, we'll, we'll definitely see what comes of that, and I, I do agree with you with Austin. They, we need to do we need to see them against higher level competition. Like they still are the favorites out of the West, probably for most people, especially with their ridiculous um, point differential. But you know that there's still some things that remain to be seen from them. Um, next up, probably one of the most physical games of rugby I've probably ever seen outside of a, a South African a South Africa match. Um, oh, Houston, so it basically was a South African match. No, it's basically it's it's basically South Africa USA at this point. Um, so it was physical right from the start. I mean, Toronto, like the scoreline doesn't do Houston any favors here. It was only ended up being a twelve point game, twenty nine to seventeen. But Houston just dominated this game from the start. I mean, they were physical. They were trying to trying to go Toronto into things at times. 
and then they they relaying the hits in. I mean, Jerry Lobashanga got a red card for a tip tackle. Um, I I can see why it was given, but at the same time, I felt like if there wasn't a if the Toronto player didn't make contact with him, he probably would have put him down. Okay, um, that is just my opinion. I obviously I am an unbiased commentator. I didn't. <laughs> care who won either way just because i know toronto fans are very protective of their team which to be fair they should because there's only one canadian team um yeah. but so and then we had talking about basically that he hit you know tackled the guy from an awkward angle so he's almost like suplexing him backwards uh, and yeah. but the thing is a another toronto player came in and hit him like in the butt or leg area so that his body had – the tackler had to stop moving backward. And so the effect was he just dumped the guy backward. It looked like had that guy not been there, he may have just brought him down safely. Um, I guess the question is, and I think it's I think it's an interpretation and like a subjective call as much as a, a law thing, but is, is what sort of mitigation does that amount to? Um, so, you know, on the one hand, you say it's the tackler's responsibility to put him down safe, you know, and they can't just say, oh, this guy was near me. I couldn't do it. Uh, yeah, that's if they put them up in a dangerous place, like he certainly did. I mean, he, he brought the guy up in a dangerously high, off balance, like weird angle for sure. Um, then it's his responsibility to put him down without dumb tackling him. Um, but again, I, I do, it does seem like his intent probably was to put him down safely, and it was only because he got hit by the other Toronto player that he didn't. Um, so, you know, I, I could have seen that going either way. But, uh, you know, there'll be a citation committee. I, I'm curious what, uh, you know, we'll have Aaron Castro uh, give us the, the rundown on the discipline uh, hearing for that one. Well, well, we'll have to see because right now there still isn't any anything listed. Um, the only thing that came out of the game was a, a very dangerous clean out from Houston that – surprisingly was not given a red card on the field. I mean, because I forget how they worded it. It was similar to um, the head knock in the D.C. Utah game last week where they mitigated it down from a yellow card to a penalty, even though it was direct head contact, which was, again, weird in my eyes both times, even though I am more of a D I am a D.C. fan. So that is is kind of like kind of was okay with that but i mean it was it was absolutely horrible it was a horrible clean out it should have been a red card um i i will say shout out to cat roche she was absolutely phenomenal in handling this game from the ar yeah. position i agree she did a great job she was very clear she was very vocal but she didn't yeah she didn't make it all about you know her as the assistant referee um yeah, I, I agree. Um, I mean, I don't know that I, I thought it should be a red card, but yeah, dangerous cleanup for sure. Um, I, I think in general, in this one, I, I think this this there was one play to me in the Houston Toronto match that defined and set the tone for the entire day, and it was, I think it was the first try of the game for Houston, uh, where I believe it was Dean Muir. Uh, they had a penalty. Uh, yeah, so Houston had the, pe the, uh, the penalty option maybe five meters out, pretty pretty dead center. But it wasn't like they, they quick tapped. I mean, they got set. Everything was set up. The defense was in place. Demure just tapped the ball, picked it up, and ran right over the Toronto defense and scored the try. Um, I mean, you never see that, right? <laughs> like, you never see a goal line defense 
give up a try and a first effort ball carry with no, and he just all the time in the world to prepare for it. It was just such a dominant play. Uh, and I feel that really set the tone for Houston for the rest of that day. Cause they have, these teams have such a similar style to me where they play a very fundamentals based game for the most part. Uh, it's very like, Hey, we don't, you know, we go through the phases, we kick, we do the set piece. We don't do anything that crazy. We have very few high risk sort of plays mostly just fundamental, moving the ball, and that makes it a contest of execution. Okay, I mean, if we're both doing the same thing, who who wins? It's the team that executes those fundamental things better. And yeah. I think this this is just a perfect example of Houston just out executed Toronto all night. I mean, you had a got you had as simple a play as you can imagine. One ball carrier was running at multiple Toronto defenders straight up on at the try line, and he just ran over them and scored. So I mean, that that was like you know. Bottom line, saying, "Hey, we—if it's a contest of fundamentals, we're the better side—is the statement." I think Dean, you're made in that play, and Houston made all night. Yeah, um, and going off of that clean out, uh, it was by Wynad Wynand Grassman. He has been suspended for three weeks because of that. Um, so, there, and, so there was a disciplinary committee, but it didn't include the red card—the red card for Lubashenko. Yes. At least not yet. So um, as yeah, far as we I know, know, there's an automatic disciplinary for any red card. I think there is. I, I'm, I don't know. Who knows? We'll see. I, I'm guessing we're going to see a some sort of uh, citation committee for that one too before next week. It would say Houston's probably appealing it, which might be why we haven't heard anything. Because, like you said, um, hit the Toronto player hitting him may have caused him to dump him. It, it kind of, for for some reason, as you said that, it reminded me of a play from the very first season, the very first game with, um, at the time, the Glendale Raptors, when they were playing Austin, and Todd Clever had jumped in. And it was Ben Landry had ta- was tackling him, and Todd Clever jumped, and it caused um, Ben Landry to dump him. But it was it was still his responsibility. He ended up being suspended for a couple of weeks for that. So, and then there was another, um, just another thing that was off in this game uh, about the sixty minute mark. Um, Lawrence Vandershift uh, got a an offload from Marno Redland case and went back in and scored. And then the TMO called it back for foul play on Vandershift, even though he was nowhere near the play. Um, and so Toronto kicked it away, and they went to the, the hydration break, and then they came back, and the points were on the board, and Houston was yeah. kicking extra points. Yeah. So. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a startup league. Uh, <laughs> weird thing. <laughs> startup team is what it is. Yeah. Moving on, prob- probably one of the better games of the um, we were probably three very good games of the weekend. This is probably. On the level of Houston-Toronto, um, the New England game, New York game was probably the best game of the weekend. Um, but it's, this was a, a slow burn um, in Seattle beating Utah 20-14. Um, Reichert Hatting got both tries for Seattle. Um, Connor Burns and Lance William for Utah. Um, I don't – I think we were expecting this, but at the same time we weren't because we've seen both teams go off. And, but, you know, both these teams similar. I almost want to say this is their secondary rivalry um, outside of San Diego for Seattle. Um, you know, record hatting went off at the beginning of the game for a yellow card that caused some people to say what. Um, 
you know, and then it was like the first points of the game weren't scored until the 27th minute. And then JP Smith added two, two penalty kicks, um, 27th, 33rd minute. And then Utah got all of their scoring done within a four minute span. Um, maybe halftime, maybe in there somewhere, but you know, it was, it was definitely a good game. Um, Craig, what'd you, what'd you say? I think, I think I said all I could. Yeah. I mean, First of all, I think Rankard Hatting is an absolute monster. I think he's having he's up there in the MVP conversation for the season. Um, so another great game to him. I mean, he seemed to basically will Seattle to score uh, in a game where no one seemed to want to score. Um, I, you know, I think you know. It, I guess part of the problem was it felt like Seattle never had to actually score because Utah really wasn't threatening. I mean, they, they, they had a few threats early, and they botched them. You know, there, there were a few missed chances. Um, so, like, Seattle never really got – it never felt to me like Seattle was playing urgently. Let's put it that way. And maybe that was a fault. You know, that then probably started off as a, a mental failing of theirs. They probably should have been more urgent-seeming in the beginning. Um, but as Utah kept kind of fumbling away chances, it just felt like Seattle kind of set, settled into a confident – sort of play um, and you said they're quite fought to the very end, but it was just, it, it was just such a, um, like a, a misguided um, sort of jumble of a effort from Utah. I mean, the, the, again, I get, I found it this week, there were a lot of like dramatic plays where one play is, so this is a good way to, to understand this game. I think Utah, the end of this one for Utah was that for me, where they, they were, t- you know, they were attacking. They were on the Seattle try line. It's a, a try to put them into, you know, put them ahead in the, la- in the final minutes and knocked the ball on. It was turned over, went to Seattle. A few minutes later, one thing leads to another, and Seattle has cleared the ball out, um, and it's in Utah's hands. Now it's after the 80th minute, and Utah has the ball, but they're in their own, you know, around, somewhere around their own 22, and they just kick it dead. <laughs> so, like, I mean, obviously that's a mistake. I, you know, I don't know what if you – I don't know what he was thinking, really. Um, but uh, it was just that sort of, like, mental mistake, mental letdown sort of play that I think played Utah all night. And I think it, it gave – it seemed to me that to give Seattle a certain confidence um, that in the critical moments they were going to deliver because Utah just couldn't seem to get out of their own way. Um, I'm, I believe – let me pull up uh... – We'll, we'll just, I'll discuss that after we're done talking about the week. Um, the next game on the schedule, the best game of the weekend, New York falls to New England last minute. But, you know, overall it was a great game. You know, Ed Fidal being Ed Fidal, probably the newcomer of the year if they were giving out that award. Um, you know, uh, New England was slow out of the gate. Uh, they didn't get their first points until the Paula Bellicana try and the 31st minute. Um, I believe uh, uh, was this Nick Savetta's return, or was did he play last week? No, I think this is it. I think, yeah, I think he, if I recall, he didn't start. Right? He came in at like the half, uh, came in at halftime. I think um, came in. I think he came in at least according to America's Rugby News. He came in at the fifty seventh minute. Okay, yeah. So, so he came. In and it really, it was it was him and, and Dylan Fawcett's entry into the game in the second half that spurred the New York second half uh, surge. I think you know, this was like one of those, and it's kind of it's kind of great, honestly, that 
the New York-Boston rivalry kind of transcends any particular sport because obviously this is a new league. It's not like there's tremendous bad blood between New England and New York, but you could just, I felt at least that this was almost a throw the textbooks in the trash sort of game where like nobody was really playing their style or, and it wasn't, you couldn't look at previous form or anything to figure out. It was like very much a momentum and a passion sort of game. And as like one team got the, their share of the momentum, they would do better and they'd go on a run. And then the other team would build up their share of the energy and they would go on a run. And it wasn't like they're playing different styles or playing better. It was like one team would just start doing better when they managed to get their side up. Um, and so it was back and forth. And again, I think towards the end, it was the entry of some of the subs like Nick Savetta, Dylan Fawcett, that, that gave New York a late surge. One thing we have to say, unfortunately, is that I found very annoying. This is an FS1, FS2, whatever game. Uh, so national yeah, game. I think it was one. I think it was one, yeah. Um, and I was you know, telling my friends, you should watch this game. You know, my non-rugby friends, because I thought it would be an exciting match. It would be a good showcase for MLR. And, you know, for like a five-minute period, the voices, the audio was all garbled. Then it just went off completely for five minutes. And then it came back, and you saw the end. But, I mean – just very, you know, disappointing. Yes. Uh, Did you forget them switching to Austin DC from week two for like thirty seconds? Well, so, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Cause the game went off. They put they first went to a commercial randomly, and then they put on Austin DC replay, and then it came back. Um, no. So yeah, it was it was yeah not the showcase you hope for to win new fans from a broadcast perspective. That's for sure. Um, and then the last play of the game. So this was one of the more controversial moments uh, probably of the season from a decision perspective, but New York is attacking times up. They're on the new England try line. They go into a ruck, a lot of moving pieces, a lot of bodies flying around next to you. Know, the ball bounces out of the rock. New England recovers it, kicks it clear game over. As soon as the ball bounced out though, the New York players reacted with outrage, you know, pointing at New England, saying, hey, they kicked it out. For those who don't know, um, kicking the ball out of the ruck as a defender is a penalty. You can – most people seem to agree. We've been discussing this a lot over the weekend in my different various chats. But I certainly think – my understanding, and I think most people would agree, is that as a defender, you can essentially rake the ball back to yourself, almost like you're the scrum half. You know, you're like the defensive side scrum half. But you can't kick it out. That's That's pretty clear. Uh, so if that happened, that should have been a penalty to New York. A very cynical penalty, I might add. I mean, in extre- I don't think it would have been a penalty try, but in an extreme case, you could even see a penalty try being a word or something like that. Um, yeah. certainly at least a penalty, New York would have had the chance to draw it even if they wanted or go for the win. Um, now, when I watched it live, I thought the New York player knocked it out. They didn't show much replay on the TV, but even the first replay I saw on the TV, again, I thought the New York player knocked it out. I believe Mike Lash was the referee, though that's not what the website says is the referee for this game. Um, but Mike Lash uh, basically said, "What do you? Yeah, we're not going to TMO. I saw it. Your player knocked it out. I don't know what you want me to do. I'm not reviewing it. Game over. And Nate Brinkley, the captain of New York, was appealing, like, can we just review this play? Like, please take a look. And the decision was, no, we're not going to review it. 
since the game, uh, I've seen a lot of photographic evidence anyway that make it look like New England did stick a foot in there and hit the ball. Now, again, they may have been trying to rig it back. Um, I don't think they would have been able to do that because there were bodies between that player and the ball that would have made it impossible to rig the ball back. Um, but, you know, maybe they're just trying to disrupt it in some way so they had to you know, slow the ball down, something like that. I don't know. Either way, I thought it was very strange that they didn't review it, and it's led to questions, you know, are they allowed to review it? Are there unreviewable plays in MLR? I don't think there's anything unreviewable in big-picture world rugby, TMO-wise. MLR may have its own rules because of its stadium arrangement, the lack of jumbotrons, things like that, so I think it's unclear if it was reviewable or not from an MLR perspective, but if it's not, I mean, it should be clearly. I mean, that was a crucial play to end the game on the try line. I mean, it's not a scoring play. Like, what would have been a scoring play if a cynical play didn't come to stop it, you know? So, uh, anyway, I, 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 I don't fault Michael Ash or any referee for a call they make. I know they're doing their best. I thought it was a really tough, I mean, live again, I, I agreed actually with the, the official decision. Um, I guess the only thing I don't agree with was the, the choice not to review such a critical play. Uh, so I hope going forward that gets sorted out and there's at least the option to, we confirmed there's at least the option to review major, very close call plays uh, at critical moments in the game. So I, I believe we did confirm that they cannot review certain situations because of, like you said, the stadium limitations. And I, I think I brought up in our chat, like, hey, let's do what the rugby, the REC did. Let's get some iPads in there. You know, go go full soccer. Go go old, hell, let's go old school NFL and have the, the referee go under under the under the hood for, for the yeah. reviews. But, like, that's to me, it's also not a, a great argument. Why can they review a cynical play from 10 phases ago in the middle of the field and award a penalty or a yellow card, but they can't review this play. I mean, it's not like a magical jumbotron that appears for for dangerous plays. Uh, you know, so at that point, they're able to look at a play and use their judgment. So you get it. Seems like it's a choice as much as it's a technical limitation to me. And I just don't know why they make that choice. Yeah, I didn't say. It also makes me wonder the places that do have screens. Um, Houston, I know, has a video board. Um, I believe San Diego has a vis- has a video board based on what I saw um, on their website when I was researching if they played on turf or grass. Um, I think Toronto has one. New England has one. Um, I think DC has one. I'm not sure. So it, it depends on what team, what field we're at. So there could be, it could not be. So like you said, I don't know if the, this, the TMOs I guess told responsibilities change depending on venue, but who knows? All right. Last game of the weekend. Another game where the score is closer than the game actually made it seem. Um, another physical game. Uh, I don't, uh, I'm, would you describe this one as physical or more cynical? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Describe it as cynical. I thought, uh, I thought it was a high work rate game. You know, both sides of the ball stayed busy. But, uh, yeah, I was thinking, I think right now Atlanta has a, a fresher, more, you know, faster paced, more well rounded team. Um, 
South San Diego, I think, yeah, they put up a noble effort to stay in this one, but eventually they just, you know, couldn't, I, they couldn't keep up with Atlanta. Yeah. So for those for those listening, um, Atlanta did win thirty to seventeen. Um, San Diego kept it close. I mean, their first points weren't scored until the twentieth minute for because of a penalty try. Uh, ben Mitchell was pinged for collapsing the mall um, after repeated infringements. Uh, was given a yellow card as well. Um, and then, I believe his name is Thomas Aoki. Uh, yeah, or excuse me, Tomas Aoki scored in the 56th minute. Um, Will Huey was kicking. Uh, did a great job for them. Um, and then the, the reason I thought it was cynical is just the, the pure yellow cards, um, you know, Ben Mitchells, and then you had Man Nanu and Chris Bowman, both with less than five minutes left. So they finished with 13 on the field. Um Let's see, Manami went for a tip tackle and Bauman went for a shoulder charge. That was kind of iffy in my eyes. Um, but all, all credit to Atlanta. They're full steam ahead out of, after last year. Um, they doesn't seem like they've let off at all after their performance against – after you know losing in the championship, losing their coach right before the season, um, losing a couple of key players. You know, Mar- um, Marco Keefe went to Austin – um, Adrian Carlson went to Dallas, so you know they they have just plugged in or plugged and played and has worked out for them. So, yeah, looking good. Uh, certainly, I think you know, be, be hard pressed to predict anything but a playoff, but you know, birth for rugby ATL. So, uh, yeah, good, good on the new coach and uh, good on the team. All right, let's. I'm looking. I'm looking at the standings right now. I think your your out and out runaway play, runaway teams right now are Austin with 43, uh, New England with 42, uh, Rugby ATL with 40. Um, yeah. Austin, like I said, Austin is just ridiculous. They have a 220 point point differential. Um, but as as you mentioned previously, they did struggle against New England and and Rugby ATL. Um, I don't know when their match against Rugby New York is, but that that will be an interesting one to watch. Um, let me just make sure. Yeah, all right. It's not this week. I just want to make sure I wasn't. Ah, it's not this week. Um, and then we have five teams, three in the West, two in the East, uh, all within four points of each other. You have Rugby New York with 32, um, Seattle and Houston with 31, uh, Toronto with 30 and San Diego with 28. So that was a, that was a big game for Houston and Seattle. Um, Seattle's point differentials has them in third place right now. They have 18 points. Um, Houston does have the try, the try um, differential as the tiebreaker, but the points differential is the first tiebreaker or the higher tiebreaker on the record if you look at the standings on MajorLeagueRugby.com or excuse yeah. me. Major League dot rugby. I always forget that. Um, but and then you know teams out of it: Utah, Dallas, Nola, Old Glory. Dallas was officially eliminated from contention this past weekend. Um, let me actually find because John Hooley posted something. Um, give me, yeah, I think it's worth adding too that uh, Toronto played eleven games, or New York only played ten. Uh, yeah. As opposed to all the teams in the West are on eleven, so still very close in the East. But New York has maybe a little more edge than it seems based solely on table points today. True, and then um, to, uh, 
Utah is actually not because they've only played 10 games. They are not technically out of elimination yet, but next weekend, those situations will be in play for them. Um, all right, let's, let's move on to this week. We got five games this week. Uh, we have a championship rematch up first. So LA's flying out West or excuse me, it's flying East. Um, got my directions mixed up. Um, I believe for the second year in a row. So I, I kind of want to know how the league did the scheduling because we had some same East West matchups that we had last year. Um, so first up LA visiting ATL April, this Saturday, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Rugby Network at Valley Sports SoCal. Man, I, this is probably going to be a slugfest, but offensively, uh, probably 30s for both, but I'm going to go ATL by two. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I really need to know who LA is playing to trot out their 10. Uh, you know, well, I remember I used still suspended. I know, yeah, exactly. It's not going to be him. It's going to be Luke Burton, I guess, is the favorite at this point. Uh, but we don't know if Gitto's back. Like, in that Gitto is lining up a 10, I might pick LA here. Um, maybe. I don't know. I think about it. But I'm going to assume Luke Burton, for the time being, is going to be the, the fly half, in which case I'm going to say ATL by three. Okay. Um, next up, we have. Another West-East matchup happening in New England, Utah visiting the Free Jacks, also on April 30th at 4.30 p.m. Eastern on the Rugby Network, KJZZ in Utah, and NBC Sports Boston. I don't know what to think of this game because I don't know what version of Utah is going to show up. So I'm just going to go safety and pick New England by 15. Yeah, I think I think this is going to be ugly for Utah. I think – I don't know if they match up well against what New England is bringing. So, yeah, I think I'll say, I'll say New England by 14. Uh, what do we say the standings? Man, what, like, I don't like picking against Dallas this, this harsh. Um, Dallas did perform admirably in week two against San Diego, um, but they're in, and it's in Dallas this weekend. It's Saturday, April 30th, 8 p.m. Eastern, Legion Visiting Dallas on TRN, Fox 5, San Diego, Valley Sports Southwest for Dallas. It is a tape delay. Um, Injury is probably too much in my eyes. I'm going to go San Diego. I'm going to say San Diego by seven, but it'll be it'll be San Diego's game with Dallas answering early, and we see San Diego's trademark falling apart late in games. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to say a little more credit than that. I'm going to say Legion by 21. Uh, Craig's Craig's game of the week, NOLA visiting Rugby New York in Hoboken. <laughs> Sunday, May 1st, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Rugby Network and your view for NOLA fans. Um, NOLA's struggling. New York has an offense, especially if they get Fido going. I'm going to go New York by 21. Oof. Like where your head's at. I, I'm, not, I'm not giving New York that much credit. I think Nola always play New York well. Um, I was at the game last year when Nola came to New York. They traveled well. And they're going to travel well again this year. Uh, I, I do think it's I, it's tough to not give New York the edge just based on record and standing and everything else. Um, so I, I'm going to say I'm going to say New York by five. 
you're right. You do give Bo a little bit more credit than I do. I just, I don't see it out of them. Like, I, I can't exactly pinpoint it. Like, I don't, I think we've triple cover said it. We'll see if Nero can do anything, can figure out anything else. <laughs> I was say, we'll, we'll see if it really is, is Nate leaving, but who, who knows? Um, and then final game of the week, uh, Sunday, May 1st at 7 p.m. Eastern on the Rugby Network. And KBVO for Austin. Not sure who is broadcasting for Seattle. Um, no, no national game of the week, but this could probably be as close as we could get. Um, don't know. I might. Mm, Austin's had the run of the West, so I'll, I'll give them the, the benefit of the doubt there. Go Austin by five, but I could easily see Seattle pulling off the upset here. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's right. I think Seattle. Definitely has it in them for the upset, but away from Seattle, again, they're they're not a team that strikes me as having the really fast and aggressive defense that I think you need to beat Austin. Um, so I'm I'm gonna give the edge to Austin. I'm gonna say Austin by six. Uh, well, hopefully the TMOs are up to standard. Hopefully, um, Cat Roche has a great game again. I think we all appreciate. I think we all can appreciate now how how good of a ref she is after she went and did the Women's Six Nations for a couple of weeks. So always appreciate her and how she, how she refs games. Um, any uh, really short tonight, but I, I think we've covered most of it. Um, if Liam was here, we probably would have gone another half an hour. But any any last minute thoughts from you, Craig, before you know we leave and hopefully get him back for Star Wars Day next week. Yeah, no, looking forward to that. Uh, you know, get coming into the home stretch here, so pretty soon, you know, it's going to be time to start thinking about playoffs, and that's uh, that's always exciting. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, um, so come back next week. If, if you want to hear us talk bonus Star Wars, we will obviously do that after the podcast if Liam shows up uh, because Craig and Liam are the fans. I get to Sorry enjoy. Myself, doesn't. <laughs> I'll just <laughs> hum Star Wars music for 10 minutes. You 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 could teach me Star Wars lore. That that's what can happen. Right. Um, but thank you everyone for listening. Um, once again, we are your full of dirt. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at your full of dirt. My name is Joshua Fredlin. I am Josh Fred on Twitter and Late Speak. This is Craig Gurdelli. You can find him at MM Fly Half. Thank you for listening, everyone, and go watch the rugby. Thanks for listening to Earful of Dirt. Connect with your hosts via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Earful of Dirt. Visit our website at earfulofdirt.com or email us your thoughts and questions to earfulofdirt at gmail.com.